one of the things um, I've seen with folks is just having a Western view of product development. So that could come down to only thinking about the product in terms of English or Spanish, for example. But you know, you get into German, and you know, you have something that looks perfect. But when you put when you translate it into hundreds of different languages, your design will break. In designing for accessibility, how different types of cohorts might use the product. So just really designing for experiences outside of yourself. But one of, I think the challenge, it's it's both a challenge and what I found most rewarding about crypto is that you're never done learning. It's so new that every single week I was really needing to incorporate continuous learning. And continuous learning is one of the values of um, Coinbase. And rightfully so, if you're not kind of setting aside, you know, an hour or so every week just to see the latest, any new technologies, you'll kind of fall a bit behind. And that was one of my favorite parts of the job. I, I love learning. I'm a student of life. And if you love learning, crypto's for you. One of the pieces of advice I gave designers is define what success looks like for you. And success looks different for everyone. And success isn't necessarily getting an exceeds rating and getting promo. Success could be, I wanna spend five hours a week prototyping, or I wanna leave work every day for so I can spend time with my kids. Knowing what makes you happy and what success looks like, and then setting boundaries and holding yourself accountable to those boundaries. You can have it, you can have it all, you can. What's up everybody, I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer. So in this show, I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Megan Ryan. Megan currently works at Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, CCI in short, as a senior design manager. Before CCI, she worked at Coinbase as a senior product design manager and Facebook as a product design manager. In this conversation, we chatted about a variety of topics, including design culture at Facebook, what it's like to design in the crypto space, portfolio, and so much more. If you're interested in designing in the Web3 crypto space or want to get some practical portfolio tips, this episode is for you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Megan Ryan. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, super glad that we can make this happen. So I would love to start from your beginning career, your road to product design. So looking at your career trajectory, I saw that you've been through a variety of design roles, including you were a graphic design student, interactive designer, web designer, and now you're currently in the world of product design. Walk me through these design career transitions and how did you eventually land in the realm of product design? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So when I started out uh, pursuing a graphic design degree, uh, it wasn't because I was an artist or I was good at drawing. I wanted to work at a magazine and I started out in journalism, but realized I couldn't write and realized I wanted to design magazines, not write for them. 
Uh, so I transitioned and that uh, inability to illustrate really kind of followed me into graphic design school. Uh, I really struggled in the branding classes, but when I got to web design, I was probably one of the only students that really connected with HTML and kind of mm. the foundations. And I was the only person that got an A. And mm. uh, fast forward to when I graduated, uh, I did some contract work in an agency that also ran up against needing to be really artistic. In Photoshop, I'd have these ideas of things I wanted to do, but was hitting a wall. And then I had a friend that um, had a job at a web design company and mm. she was like, hey, you know, this is a full-time role. Would you want to try it out? And I did. And then kind of fell in love with web design and made the transition uh, from graphic design to web design pretty quickly right out of school. Mm -hmm. And then I just bopped around to different companies as you do when you're young uh, mm -hmm. for money, different opportunity. And then I moved from uh, the Tampa Bay area to Orlando where I got a job uh, doing, it wasn't called product design work back then, but it was very much um, kind of product-esque work. And I loved it. I did everything that I, I thought I would be doing in a magazine, which is like designing layouts, designing experiences. And yeah, I never looked back. And then I had a friend come out to California and got a job at Facebook. And you know, the job market in Florida is not great for design and the ceiling is very low and I hit it very quickly. Mm. So I, I moved out to California and started contracting uh, at Facebook. Got it, yeah. And that's actually a perfect segue into your time at Facebook because you were there for a considerable amount of time, which is seven years. First as a product designer, then you became a product design manager. I think in retrospect, how would you describe your time at Facebook and also the design culture at Facebook? Yeah, I mean, coming from agencies, agencies don't really invest a lot in developing you as a whole person or invest mm -hmm. in your career long term. And mm -hmm. coming to Facebook, I was just so blown away at how much they care about people Mm -hmm. and how much they invest in helping you achieve your goals and grow as not just an employee, but a person. And the design culture was so strong. I think that when you're in an agency environment, there's a lot of competition and, mm -hmm. you know, everyone kind of makes an option and to show to the client. But at Facebook, I really felt a sense that the team's success was my success. I never, it just felt very healthy and very mm -hmm. inclusive and you know, one of Facebook's values is kind of bring your authentic self. Um, and I never experienced that in a workplace. Mm. And I thought that actually leaving Facebook after seven years, I thought all companies were like that and mm. they're not, you know, Facebook mm -hmm. really has something special and it comes down to also how designers are measured. You know, one of the axes is people and culture contributions because mm. You know, they believe that every designer should have a hand in making the culture that they want to be a part of, which is something I also thought every company did. And mm -hmm. that's very special and unique. Yeah, I would I would love to throw into the people and culture aspect that you mentioned. Like, how would they normally measure that? Is it more through like verbally telling your manager, oh, I did, I, I tried to, these things out or... Yeah, I mean, when I was a manager, I really liked to understand what unique skills every designer had and what skills that they wanted to share with the community. 
Um, for example, I manage some folks that were really good teachers. So how can I help them find opportunities to share their skills with the design community through workshops or talks or one-on-one -on -one mentorship? So it's very much tailored to every individual because, you know, at the end of the day, Facebook's hiring you for your unique, your unique perspective. Mm. Um, so similarly, what's your unique perspective on culture and what can you bring to um, the company that other designers can't? Got it. Yeah. Yeah. To answer your question, it's it's less from my perspective, at least it's less of a, of a checklist. Um, but mm -hmm. to be clear, there is some aspects of the checklist when you get to review time, you know, like I did X yeah, amount of yeah. interviews. Sure. Um, but it's more nuanced and more, again, tailored to the individual designer. Got it. Yeah, because during my past internship, I think that was my first time experiencing like midpoint check-ins, final reviews. And then that's when I sat down with my manager and my mentor. And then we go over like this list of criteria, whether I hit those or not. <clears throat> and I think another thing that I've heard about Facebook design culture is that they're very data driven. Was that true during your time there? Yeah, of the, you know, of the companies I've worked for, Facebook is definitely more data driven, but it makes sense. You know, I worked on Newsfeed. It's a very, very optimized surface. And mm -hmm. when you have an ads driven business and every change you make impacts how many people use the products, data becomes very important. I might argue that data has become too important um, to Facebook, but mm. yeah, it is definitely a data-driven organization. Right. And I think especially considering the fact that there's so many users using the Facebook platform as well, I guess in that case, like, what are some considerations that others might not think of when designing for such a huge product that so many people use? I think... One of the things um, I've seen with folks is just having a Western view of product development. So that could come down to only thinking about the product in terms of English or Spanish, for example. But, you know, you get into German and, you know, you have something that looks perfect. But when you put when you translate it into hundreds of different languages, your design will break. In designing for accessibility, how different types of cohorts might use the product. So just really designing for experiences outside of yourself. Mm. But Facebook gives a lot of trainings and there's a lot of care put into those things. So that's definitely a skill designers will get from joining Facebook that mm -hmm. they can take, then take with them to future experiences. And then to also help other companies, you know, once they leave to adopt those practices as well. Yeah, I think so far, at least for my projects, they're like very like side, small projects. So it's always really insightful to hear like what's like on the other side of like this in terms of scale of projects. And another thing that I wanted to delve into during your time at Facebook was that you were first a product designer, then you became a product design manager. I was curious what made you decide to transition into a more managerial role during at Facebook? Yeah, I mean, coming from agencies, I didn't even know being a product design manager was a job. You know, when you're at an agency, you're a graphic designer, an art director, and a creative director. And as creative director, you wear all the hats. You manage the people, you manage the work. But um, in big tech, you know, forking the different paths. So mm -hmm. they recognize, you know, you don't have to be um, a people manager in order to progress your career, which I thought was really great. But it was also working on cultural initiatives at Facebook that really 
showed me that I wanted to be a people manager. Mm -hmm. Um, Working on um, multiple mentorship programs, Women of Facebook Design, um, which I helped create and ran for five years. And then Bridge Builders, which is a program I started to help folks kind of have a bridge to Facebook and into big Mm -hmm. tech. Um, I was getting just as much fulfillment from those projects as I was my design work and Mm -hmm. really seeing problems on a team and being really moved to help fix them, you know, beyond designing, beyond the pixels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was on civic engagement and I worked on a project that I was the most proud of designing voter Mm -hmm. registration drives and, you know, 2.5 million people registered to vote and I was like, I've peaked. I cannot yeah. um, do anything better than this as a designer. So I'm really ready to help other designers find their peaks. Mm-hmm. I think when you were talking about that aspect, it really reminded me of design ops, which I think is, um, it's something that I learned very recently, but it's like, how, how do you make the internal team, the internal design team as efficient and also help them grow at the same time? So it's, interesting to see there's like crossovers between responsibilities between these two roles. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually considered transitioning to design ops, but Mm. I didn't want to get that far away from the product work. I still want to help influence what we build and why we build it and uh, to get kind of in the weeds with the product work. I wanted to transition from Facebook. After you worked at Facebook, you worked at Coinbase as a senior product design manager. For audience that might have not heard Coinbase before, it's an online platform that allows merchants, consumers, and traders to transact with digital currency. I, I was curious, like after Facebook, after staying there for seven years, how did you arrive at Coinbase? And prior to Coinbase, did you have a lot of experience designing for crypto digital currency? No, not at all. Uh, And that's part of the reason I went there. So uh, after seven years working um, on uh, FB app and two years in a pandemic, I think a lot of folks were um, experiencing some professional ennui. And I was thinking about next opportunities. I just was found myself feeling a little bored, a little uninspired. And I really, Facebook had found itself, in my opinion, in a pretty reactive place. You know, it's Mm -hmm. an old app, figuring out how to resonate with the the next cohort of users. And I just felt that I had uh, really been working on that problem too long and Mm -hmm. wanted to get back to kind of building something new. And I cast my net pretty wide and had a lot of conversations and I am not someone that has an explicit interest in financial products, uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the folks at Coinbase just seemed really passionate and exciting. And Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, that opportunity scared me the most. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much had a one-on-one knowledge of crypto uh, before joining. Mm -hmm. I actually, once I arrived there, realized I had less than a one-on-one knowledge of crypto. (laughs) A lot of things that I thought I knew were incorrect. Mm. Yeah, that's why I decided to make the jump. I mean, I had a ton of fun learning crypto. I have Mm. 23 NFTs. I don't mean to brag, but super fun learning that space too. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely should dip my toe into crypto. Um, I feel like it's 
a sector that I haven't really explored yet. And I feel like there's a lot of opportunities for designers, design managers to explore. Yeah, I think, well, I found ultimately that crypto wasn't for me and Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily a product space that I got personal fulfillment from. I do recommend that every designer kind of dabble with crypto or, or more broadly Web3. It's just, there are so many new patterns, you know, every Thing my teams were working on were brand new patterns mm. that, you know, five, 10 years down the line, designers are going to be looking at what my designers at Coinbase did as inspiration because mm. it was the first and right. it's really exciting and that there aren't a lot of companies out there or, you know, industries that can say the same. Right. What was it like working in a crypto company at Coinbase and what are some of the challenges that you faced? designing products in the crypto space? Yeah, it was a wild ride, uh, I will say. <laughs> um, but one of, I think the challenge, it's its both a challenge and what I found most rewarding about crypto is that you're never done learning. It's so new that every single week I was really needing to incorporate continuous learning. And continuous learning is one of the values of um, Coinbase. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, if you're not kind of setting aside, you know, an hour or so every week just to see the latest, any new technologies, you'll kind of fall a bit behind. And that was one of my favorite parts of the job. I I love learning. I'm a student of life. And if you love learning, crypto is for you. Web3 is for you because there is never the amount of articles and podcasts um, and YouTube videos to watch is never ending. So, yeah. Yeah, it's both a challenge and a perk. Yeah, definitely a lot of things to learn from crypto. I feel like there's, yeah, every day the news, there's just something new about that space. And let me add, I guess one of the other challenges as well, because crypto is is so new and there's so much learning to be done, there's quite a bit of urgency. And because Mm. Coinbase is a public company, there's a tension of innovation and providing stakeholder value. Right. And, and that's tricky to navigate, um, but if you've got that drive and you really, you know, love crypto, I think Coinbase is still a good place to work. Got it. Yeah. I think after going through months of working in a crypto company, what are some advice that you can give to designers specifically who say, oh, I want to work as a designer in the crypto space? Yeah. I mean... Join a bunch of discords, um, set aside like a couple hours a day to watch all the YouTube videos. I think in my first month at Coinbase, I probably watched like a hundred hours of YouTube videos. Like I would have a sticky note and anytime I learned a new word, I would pause, watch the video Mm. on that word and go back. So I think just immersing yourself in all the content, there's so much content out there right now that people are creating. And then to not be afraid to take risks. I think a lot of the startups out there right now are new. I mean, it's um, a crypto winter for sure. And that can Mm. be, that can make folks a little, feel a little nervous, but especially young people take Mm. so many risks in your career because when you're my age and you have a mortgage and (laughs) new cats to feed, um, your cat food's expensive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It's, you know, when you're taking risks, there are more factors to weigh, but 
Yeah, to join discords and the, the communities are so friendly. I think one of the most surprising things for me going into the crypto space was just how rich the communities are um, mm. on discord and everyone is so generous with their time and their skills. If you have questions, nobody treats you like an outsider. Mm. What I've really found is that everyone has a seat at the table because crypto is so new and yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think drawing from my own assumptions, I've always felt like crypto is like this very exclusive space where like <clears throat> you need a, a lot of knowledge to get into and then it's hard to get into. But so it's really encouraging to hear that like everybody in the space is super nice and willing yeah, to give their time. Super welcoming. Everyone wants like i've never met one person that wasn't like of course here's 30 minutes of my time to explain this very uh 101 concept mm. of cryptocurrency the the community wants you to be there like i've never actually seen a friendlier group of people mm -hmm. that's awesome i think this is yeah again super encouraging for anybody who wants to join or learn a little bit about the crypto space and also you'll find uh, a lot of the crypto discords I'm in, there are a lot of product folks in there, you know, and I think it's a lot more natural to make connections there versus like, you know, cold emailing someone on LinkedIn, you know, having those organic mm. connections, like a lot of discords I'm in have job posting boards and, you know, folks, when I had an open role at Coinbase, I posted it in there and um, no one was quite the right fit, but I found I, I made a lot of connections, got to talk about the role and, and learn, yeah. make new friends, you know. Yeah. What were some Discord communities that you were actively in or that you really liked? Yeah. A lot of the ones that I really love were around NFT projects that I followed, but I think my favorite Discord is called Voice Club, um, which mm. is a female-based mm -hmm. uh, Discord channel that really focuses on education and getting more um, women and non-binary folks into the space. Love that. And I think fast forwarding into the ending period of when you're at Coinbase, I'm curious, why did you decide to leave the company? And we'll also talk about the company that you're currently at, but before that, yeah, why did you leave? Yeah. So whenever I move into a new role or a new company, I'm always wondering what I want to learn about myself. What is this role going to teach me? Um, is this product a new product space? Is there something unique about the culture? Kind of always having a hypothesis or, you know, from this opportunity, what, what data can I pull to get a little bit closer to a way of working that makes me happy or product work that fulfills or, you know, career growth. Um, mm -hmm. And going into Coinbase, you know, I, my hypothesis was, um, one, you know, I've never managed anywhere else. So going mm. into the space, can I be an effective manager at a different company? Um, and then two, working on something wildly different. Will that make me, will that um, help me become a better product leader? Mm. So at the end of the day, I realized I really want to work on products that are good for the world. Mm. And not to say mm. Coinbase isn't, but um, mm -hmm. products that were more explicitly good for the world and companies that really, really cared deeply about people and culture. Going back mm -hmm. to why I got into managing, those things were a constant for me. So I started looking around at companies that did that. And um, CZI was my first interview and I fell in love um, 
with them. And actually, while I was interviewing, uh, I did get let go from Coinbase. Mm. So while I was intending to to leave, my time was cut short. Um, But yeah, and like I mentioned at the top of the call, um, it's like love. I just kind of knew. And I never really felt that way interviewing anywhere. It just felt, I was like, oh, this is how you're supposed to feel. Like the people... I had such a strong connection to the people. I had such a strong connection to the product space. And yeah, I was scared, but for different reasons. For different yeah. reasons. Facebook, Coinbase, and now um, you mentioned Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. I know you're currently working there as a senior design manager. How has it been so far? It's only been, I think, Two months, three months since you joined? Uh, one month. Yeah. Uh, today is my one-month anniversary. Um, oh, congrats. Thank you. It's been great so far. I was scared at the beginning, leaving kind of big tech and all the comforts that big tech had to offer and going to a philanthropy company. Different way of working, a different comp package, um, different kind of growth and thoughts on performance. So I just kind of dove in and have been pleasantly surprised um, every step of the way. Yeah. During um, onboarding, Priscilla did a Q&A and was just one to work at a company that's you know co-led by a woman. Mm. Um, up my reporting chain, I think there's one man, my PM director, my EM director, both women. Um, yeah. It's just such a different experience. And Priscilla was just so open and raw and to see a leader just bring that kind of energy and set the set the tone for culture on day one. It's been it's been great. It's definitely a different way of working. And I will say philanthropy companies are not have not escaped like data. Mm-hmm. Data is still here. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do we prove the impact of the educational products we're working on? But yeah, it's been great. Mm-hmm. The people are all so lovely. Awesome. Yeah. I think for people who might have um, might not have heard Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Can you briefly describe what it is? And also, do you know what are some of the stuff that you might be working on over there? Yeah, so um, I kind of describe the education part of CZI as like an incubator for education. So what they do is they look across the educational landscape and what are the biggest problems that we're facing right now? Where are there nonprofit companies right now that might not have made the shift to fully embrace technology or they're having issues with scale? Mm. And how can CZI help unblock them and to scale to more schools and to help more kids? So CZI has, education has kind of an incubator pod where folks kind of look across the market and run pilots. Um, And then there are other products. So so the Summit Learning uh, platform, which Mm. came out of Facebook, I think, you know, it was still there when I was at Facebook. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. They broke off in 2017. But I work on Along specifically, which is a free tool for teachers uh, and students to connect. Mm. Um, It's kind of like a video diary. So you can imagine I've got... 40 kids, maybe some teachers of 100, and I might only talk to those kids individually once a week. Mm -hmm. So this tool allows teachers to record a voice prompt 
to ask their kids personal questions, questions about their hopes, their dreams, mm. their goals, to get to know them, not just as students, as people. Right, right. And uh, this helps teach kids emotional intelligence, how to talk about their feelings, how to normalize um, communication mm. uh, with another person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. So like basically designing tools for education that includes teachers and students. Yeah, yeah. Um, the pilot folks are investigating different areas, but every pod kind of has a different goal and a different problem that's facing the education. Um, mm-hmm. So Alung came out from the pandemic when everyone was remote and, you know, strong connections. Um, but Alung really believes that one adult connection with a student has the power to change the trajectory of a student's life. Yeah, I love that. And I also... I'm curious, like, because you mentioned that working at a philanthropy company is quite different from working at big tech, big tech companies. Curious, like, what are some of the differences that you notice? Yeah, off the bat, they're just, there's less urgency. It feels slower, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. I think because we're not a data-driven organization or because we don't have stakeholders that we need to have regular check-ins with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It allows for a more organic product development process, mm-hmm. one that's not necessarily rushed, where designers have the time to make the work that they need to make. And yeah. So it seems like, yeah, the pace is slower. And also, I guess project moves slower, but in, in a good way. It's not like they're intentionally being slow, but it's more like just how, how things are. Yeah. And, and product teams look a little bit different. So we partner with different companies that work with schools. So having mm. teachers as a stakeholder is, is quite different mm. uh, for designers coming in and how to navigate those relationships. There's challenges at every company. The grass is never greener. It's just different grass, but yeah. I will, I'll take these challenges like building collaboration models to help schools and teachers um, have different product interventions to help them do their jobs better. Love that. Yeah. And I think in terms of Speaking about education, um, this might be a hard cut, but it's the goal of this podcast is also to help educate and also help other designers, whoever's listening. And so I would also love to chat about something that's very relatable, every designer, which is the design portfolio section. And as a hiring manager, hiring manager yourself, um, how much time do you normally spend on a portfolio? Okay. Um, I know that I'm supposed to say I thoughtfully read every portfolio. Um, I do not. I do not. I probably spend, you know, if I have an open role, which I do now. So making a quick plug, I Mm. have a staff um, product design role open on Long. But, you know, if I have like 30 to 40 portfolios to review in like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably open them all in one tab and then kind of take a couple minutes and go through each. And maybe I'll, I'll dig into one case study, but there are, there's like a waterfall. So when I first open a portfolio, I want to see, is this well-designed or not? And if it's not well-designed, I mean, mm-hmm. I'll kind of just skip on by. Yeah. And then okay, this one is well-designed. So then I'll kind of go in deeper. I'll click into a couple different prototypes. Right. I'll probably find one and I'll, I'll skim the prototype or I'll skim the uh, case study. But what I want to know is, 
how well do you talk about your product work? Can you frame the problem well? Um, is it too long? I think there's like a right length of a case mm. study as well. Like, are you getting too deep in the weeds of process? Um, right. I think it's really important to know your audience when you're designing a case study. I think there's a really good balance between setting the right context and being concise, but also being thorough. Yeah. I, I finished my portfolio before the school year, but I feel like length of a case study, again, it depends on your project, but are there any tips for, I guess, finding that balance for the projects? Um, or were there any past examples where you thought, oh, this is a good length. I'm able to understand this designer's thought process, but also not feel like too overwhelmed with everything that they put together. Yeah. I mean, a couple tips. Use hierarchy when you're designing. You know, I've seen some case studies where they'll like write three paragraphs. In no scenario is any hiring manager reading three paragraphs of content on a website. Mm -hmm. And then two, know what roles that you're interviewing for. So if you're interviewing at big tech companies, you're likely going to be paired with a researcher already. So those companies aren't hiring you for that skill. So feel free to uh, condense that stuff. Have it in your pocket if it comes up in an interview, but know that a manager is not going to be digging deep into research because mm. you'll be joining a team that has one or two probably. Um, and then third, this isn't necessarily advice on length, but I really like to, this is more general mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. portfolio uh, preference. I really like to see your unique point of view on a website. Mm. You have no idea how many websites I've seen that are just white, a typed out name in the top left corner, mm. links to the right, and then four um, case study uh, mm. thumbnail images. I like to see a little bit of personality on a portfolio website because unless those thumbnails are really, really, really nice looking, and I will say putting a phone at a 45 degree angle doesn't make it necessarily look that nice looking. So yeah, a little yeah. bit of your, your personal style and point of view in the visual design, um, mm -hmm. that will give me a second look. That will give me a, okay, let me like start clicking around in here and see what this person's all about. Yeah, it's... I also find there's an interesting balance between showcasing your, as you mentioned, unique point of view, but also, I guess, checking all the boxes that the job description is also looking for. It's it's like a, I don't know how to describe it. It's a, it's a balance that every applicant have to find when they're applying. Yeah. And I mean, when I'm looking at UGRAD portfolios, I'm not looking for perfect, like you are learning and I'm not looking for the longest case study. I'm really optimizing, like, does this person want to learn? Do they have a strong um, set of foundation skills? And sometimes that can come across in visual design. Mm. Um, gosh, this last crop of interns from Coinbase were so good. I can share some of their portfolios. Yeah. Going back to giving tips for Web3 and crypto, when you have a portfolio that's like using kind of modern patterns, um, mm. you know, if you're wanting to apply to a crypto company, do not use a template, like really mm. design an interesting future facing portfolio. Yeah, I would love to, uh, after the recording, um, I would love to add those interns portfolio in the show notes as well, just for reference. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like that will, these can serve as like design portfolio inspirations for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get you some links for sure. I think we're 
a little bit out of time, but I still want to ask this final question. Of course. It's a question that I like to ask every guest at the very end of the show. So if you're now facing yourself, but 20 years old, so back in college times, around that time period, what career slash life advice will you tell the young Megan? That's a good question. I thought about this. I think as you have more experiences out in the world and have more experiences with different kind of companies and product spaces and people, you learn more about yourself and success looks different and honoring that. Mm-hmm. I would say that um, to not be afraid to pursue opportunities that seem different than mm-hmm. like graduating, getting the, this job and getting a better job and getting a better job. Um, mm-hmm. That climbing a career ladder does not equal right. fulfillment or happiness. Yeah. And yeah. Being curious and thoughtful and and to notice the things that make you happy and and to leave the situations that don't. But it's very easy when you're working in in big tech to kind of, you know, there's a fire here and a fire there and suddenly five months have passed and you're just Mm. uh, flirting with burnout. So to just have check-ins with yourself and note when you're having a really good week, what, what were you doing? What kind of problems were you working on? What kind of activities were you getting into and, and follow those things and, and recognize when your energy is getting sucked in, move away from those. Mm. Uh, that was long winded, but. Um, no, I love that. I think it's, it's so interesting because I had a similar realization because I took a gap year two years ago and toward the end of that, I was a little bit, not sure if I wanted to continue pursuing design because one of the reasons was that I felt like it was a constant pursuit of career ladders in big companies or any sort of company. And so I just stopped doing design for like long period of time. And I was like, what's something that I can explore that might be a little bit not super conventional? I delved into music a little bit. Um, I was like, I had this like dream of, oh, I'm going to be a self-made like artist and then like, you know, be successful and everything. And I just find it so interesting about your answer to the question. It's very relatable because I had the same, I guess, similar reflection towards them that my gap year. Yeah. You know, working at Facebook where they're quite a performance driven company, one of the pieces of advice I gave designers is define what success looks like for you. And if you don't, Facebook will tell you what success looks like. And success looks different for everyone. And success isn't necessarily getting an exceeds rating and getting promo. Mm -hmm. Success could be, I want to spend five hours a week prototyping, or I want to leave work every day for so I can spend time with my kids. That fear of the career ladder, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't. but, But Knowing what makes you happy and what success looks like and then setting boundaries and holding yourself accountable to those boundaries. You can have it. You can have it all. You can. Um, So that is that is what I work with all my designers to do is really understanding what they're hoping to get from the experience and pushing everything else that the noise uh, and the politics, um, you know, that's my job to shield them from that, to give them the best experience they can have and to make sure, you know, when they get to the end of their time, they knew it was well spent and they accomplished things they want to accomplish and they were fulfilled doing so. 
I love that. I think it, another take on this is like knowing what's enough, like knowing what's like enough, whether it's in your work, personal life, all aspects of life. Like understanding that really makes the picture a lot clearer. Yeah, that's so hard for designers. I mean,、mm. designers, I think, will spend ten hours pushing the same pixel around <laughs> just to find the perfect. Yeah. But,、um, but yeah, I think it comes back. That's that's a great insight. Knowing what enough is and making peace with that too, and not letting it、uh, mm. kind of. The stress or anxiety carry with you. Anyways, we definitely took a departure from design, but I love where we've gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think that's a really good.、Um, well, there were a lot of good golden snippets, but I know we're a little bit out of time, so I don't want to end it there. But Megan, thank you so much for taking the time. You're so welcome. This was fun, and good luck with everything.、Yeah. I can't wait to see what you do next. Hey there! Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye, my name is Guo, and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel Show. And I'll see you in the next episode.